Welcome to episode 14 of the Breakaway Fantasy Football Podcast. My guest this week, a man who is about to feel the same disappointment as Sarah does on a daily basis. It's Jack Francis. <laughs> wow, wow. That was pre-prepared, pre-prepared, wasn't it? I'm starting to get my intros pre-prepared and obviously having to pivot a little bit from, uh, you know, it being you and Jake, uh, I had to come up with something at the last minute. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Sarah's never disappointed because she always knows what she's going to get. That's true. A very steady, steady man. Very yeah. steady delivery. It's same for six or seven years now. It's, uh, yeah. Although, given how Jake's team is performing, the intro would have been just the same for him, to be perfectly honest. Scathing. Absolutely yeah. scathing if Jake had been there. It's a shame, really. Well, well I'm hopefully going to see him tomorrow, so I can I let him know then. Well, he's doing the Lord's work today, isn't he? Delivering people's Christmas parcels. Yes, about time as well because we haven't done many all month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you guys? You guys are all out tomorrow, aren't you? We are indeed. Yeah, yeah. It was going to be an evening thing, but I'm hoping to bring it back into an early afternoon thing. So I kind of told Sarah I'm off as of early afternoon tomorrow. So uh, seems a bit cheeky, really, is that I haven't done much childcare all week, and I'm just going to disappear tomorrow to get on the beers. But hey ho. Yeah, I've been on PlayStation chat with Ed and uh, a few of the other guys over the last week or so, and and it seemed to be like. Oh yeah, it's an evening thing. And then Ed was talking to Sean and it was like, should we should we get together a bit earlier? I think it's culminated in Sean going around to Ed's at 10 a.m. or something. <laughs> like that. Ed's just uh, really trying to invite me into it because he just sent me a message of uh, his Jack Daniels honey that he's obviously purchased and he knows I'm a sucker for that. So yeah, if he's cracking that open early doors, I might, I might get around even closer. It's my nephew's <laughs> birthday that I've got to go to tomorrow at like half past 10 and it's about two minutes from Ed, so maybe I just slink straight over after that. I mean, logistically, that makes sense, mate. Yeah, does actually. Less car journeys, I'll just stay there. Yeah, yeah, it's the environmentally friendly thing to do. That's it. it would be Looking the one. it that way. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll see you at nine tomorrow, Ed. <laughs> I mean, given the state Sean was in on uh, on bum stag do, if he starts at 10, I'm not sure he's making it to 12. No. <laughs> I don't think he would either. I get to see Sean very often, so it'll be uh, nice to see the uh, nice to see him. Capitalising, yeah. Dawson put a, a link in about PlayStations this week, and I've been very close to getting one again, very close. So uh, yeah, I might, uh, might do it. Need to pull the trigger. Yeah, well, obviously we <clears throat> we were on PlayStation chat a lot on Sunday evening. We were going to try and record a live pod, but actually getting the guy, because you can't really record off of PlayStation chat, uh, getting the guys off of that and onto a different platform to record was non-existent. Kyle was passed out by 8 p.m. It may have even been earlier. I kind of like, I jumped off to go and uh, deal with something with the kids. I came back on and I was like, is Kyle still here? And I could just hear him snoring. <laughs> that's And that's 8 p.m. our time, right? Yeah. Yeah, which <laughs> so is like, like 3 p.m. Wherever he is. Yeah, just mental. He did wake up again later, but but it didn't last very long. Uh, never change, Kyle. Never change. Yeah. So had I tried to record any pod content, you'd have just heard like this soft snoring in the background. Yeah, the snoring of a bear. <laughs> Would have been just like old times. Yeah. But it was good. It was a good fun evening, regardless of the lack of recording. Uh, it would have definitely yeah. needed an explicit content tag. <laughs> Right, so format for the pod this week, uh, the normal stuff. So headlines, we're going to jump into some some of the kind of big NFL matchups this week and uh, talk about how they played out for playoff positions, talk a little bit about fantasy in there, 
we'll talk about some injury worries and some league winners, and then we'll Ooh, jump into wow. the matchups and like kind of how it all played out this week. <clears throat> Who got into the playoffs? How they got into the playoffs? How is a big question here? Um, some some observations on the regular season. Jake had some particular points that he wanted to make. It's a shame he's not here. We'll have to talk mm. about those points anyway. And then look ahead at these very exciting playoff matchups. So lots to get to. I suggest we uh, we jump in, mate. Let's do it. Let's do it. Not to get far. All right. So looking at these playoff matchups, the big ones this week. First one we wanted to talk about was the crazy Raiders and Patriots game. As our yeah, resident uh, Raiders fan, take us away. Uh, it's nice to be on and actually be able to speak about a Raiders win as well. So uh, stuck it Val and you sucky Patriots, first of all. Um, this one kind of went the way a raid, most Raiders games this season have gone in the fact that they've come flying out the blocks, built a nice lead. Um, the second half, they've not turned up and the Patriots were storming to what looked like a, a win eventually. Um, obviously, we've all seen how that ended because I think if it had gone to overtime, the Patriots would have just taken over and got the win. So... Um, Bit of a strange one there because I think if the Patriots had secured that, their playoff fate would have looked a lot stronger. And now having lost that, it looks extremely worrying for them. Um, whether they will actually make it, I don't. I personally don't think they will. Now looking at their upcoming games, the Raiders are technically still in it. They need a lot of things to go their way. Um, they've got a win out. They need the Chargers to lose. Um, the Chargers have got the Colts and the Rams, so that's unlikely. Uh, and we also need the Jags or the Jets to lose. Um, and the Jags and Jets are playing each other this week. So that, that's one loss. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an uphill task for the Raiders. Can't really see it happening. Don't think they necessarily deserve to win um, and get into the playoffs, to be honest. So that's them out. The Pats are obviously third in the AFC East, but they've got the Bengals this week. And the Bengals are trending in the right direction. So I don't think they'll get a win there. And I think that really will close the door for them this week if they if they don't get that win. So Good game. Nice to see the Raiders beat the Patriots, but I don't think either of these teams are going to progress. Yeah, I mean, there's been tons and tons of coverage over what happened at the end of that game, so I don't intend to uh, kind of drill into it, but what an insanely stupid play by Jacoby Myers and Matt Jones getting stiff-armed into the, the depths of hell was uh, frankly hilarious. That's usually the sort of stiff arm that somebody somebody gets from the rumbler, but Chandler Jones just put him down. It was like someone putting in the hand on the head of a toddler. <laughs> the pictures I've seen of it this week, there was like a Lego version of it that I saw. And um, yeah, Matt Jones was like just disappearing down into hell. It was It was good to see. It was great. It was a very, very funny play. Not the sort of thing you normally associate with the Pats. No, it was just really bizarre. I just, I still can't quite get my head around it. Why? I think Ramondre Stevenson is as much to blame as we mentioned on yeah. the chat this week. Why he put Myers in that position where Myers clearly panicked? Look, oh, shit, we need to keep this, this play alive now. Um, Stevenson, for I mean, for what it's worth, on a fantasy perspective, I didn't even think he was playing this week. He had a bit of an injury concern. Um, I personally in another league didn't start him only to wake up in the morning and see that he had an absolutely fantastic game tearing off like 170 yards but it's always going to be tainted by that play at the end for him yeah strange yeah um moving on from that matchup i will take the niners and seahawks what a delight what a lovely lovely result that was uh niners take it 21 to 13 it was basically defense and running game which is what the niners do um uh, we obviously win the NFC title, uh, NFC West title with, with this one and drop the Seahawks even further out of playoff contention. They are still there, but they've got a really, really tough run in. Uh, they got a really beat two of the Chiefs, Jets and Rams. Rams, you would think, will, will be a win for them. Um, 
but they also need to hope really i think that the commanders and the and the lions drop games in there for them to sort of sneak into the playoffs they've got tyler lockett now supposed to be out for the regular season like everyone's saying like three weeks but then pete carroll came out in a press conference this week and said oh he probably only missed one game i mean the guy broke his finger and has had surgery on it so if he only misses one game then uh, i mean fair play to him um the loss of tyler lockett i think will probably be fatal to the Seahawks chances. Um, you know, they've got DK Metcalf, who's awesome, but he's just one guy and they don't really have other receiving options. Uh, they'll need a lot from from big Kenny Walker uh, on the running side to really get anything done. But I would imagine their defense is going to get shredded by the Chiefs this week. And then the Jets game becomes super, super important and they will be probably playing for their playoff lives as well. How um, how do you feel about your boy Gino? I see you made the Pro Bowl, which is fantastic news, but with Lockett now out of the picture, how do you feel about riding him into the playoffs? Not great, uh, I'll be honest. And also, I think his last two or three games, he has started to look much more fallible than, than he was earlier in the season. He's making more mistakes. I mean, it's really hard to judge anybody against the Niners defense. Nick Bosa absolutely terrorized Gino. Um, he was all over him all game. He only got one sack, but yeah, he had him running for his life. Um, Bosa was was just brilliant. That whole Niners front line uh, and linebacking core is just um, playing incredibly well. Bosa's now the sack leader for the season, 15 and a half. For me, he's got to be um, the leader at the moment for the Defensive Player of the Year. Um award yeah. I just I, I just think he's he's been dominant and you know Fred Warner in the middle like you just you just can't make passing plays over the middle because those linebackers just cover everything Fred Warner is so athletic like yeah. he, he can cover pretty much any any wide receiver in the league and he did a great job whenever Metcalf came over the middle Warner was up to the task and that's not something you can say about many middle linebackers against uh, a player of Metcalf's ability so yeah who did um I know we speak about about um, like QB continuity, like in Green Bay, like Father to Rogers and stuff like that. Was Patrick Willis there before Fred Warner, or was there somebody in between? Because that's kind of like a a smoother transition you could possibly get, isn't it? No, no, there was there was a gap between the sort of Willis and Bowman era, and then Fred Warner coming in. There was um, I can't remember his name now. We had another incredible middle linebacker who was um, uh, the guy who ended up retiring, Chris Borland. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He was br- he was brilliant and he was in between, but he retired after like three seasons because of his concerns about head injuries and stuff like that. So the Niners have had a really good run of picking middle linebackers, um, yeah. you know, historically. And so uh, it's always been a position of strength. And then you've got like players like Drake, Drake Greenlaw on the edge who, who Kyle's picked up and has performed really, really well. So assuming the Niners defense stays fit, I could see them riding that. Uh, defense and running game right into the NFC Championship, and we'll see what happens from there. Absolutely, yeah. Can I recall any more? Um, Bucks and Bengals. What a weird game this was. Um, Bucks went up 17, 17 zip. Uh, looked really, really strong. Bengals weren't really doing anything. Uncharacteristic mistakes from Joey B. And then the Bucks basically threw the game away. Um, so the Bengals now lead the NFC North, AFC North, sorry, with the Ravens having lost this week to the Browns and the Bucks remarkably still leading the dreadful NFC South, despite being six and eight, uh, simply because the, the Falcons and the Panthers also lost this week and, and the Saints, uh, are kind of caught up 
there's a bunch of teams on five and nine and the Bucks on six and eight. As, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you should just detonate the NFC South and just <laughs> kick them out of the playoffs, just, just being dreadful. Um, so, yeah, so it was basically hard to say, but it's Brady's fault, right? Um, two, ter- okay. two interceptions, two fumbles, um, and they lost from 17 zip up. That is the first time he's lost from 17-0 up in his career. Previously, he was 89-0 and from that position. Um, and it's just very uncharacteristic for him to make that many mistakes in a game. But I, I don't see any other way of kind of saying it was anyone other than Brady's fault because the drives that the Bengals scored on were 13 yards, 31 yards, another 13 yards, and 39 yards. They had short fields. Um, and Burrow sort of played all right, but not really all that well so this was a game thrown away by the Bucks and handed the Bengals a victory but Bengals are now on a six game win streak so looking super hot and you've got to win games in lots of different ways yeah they certainly seem to have turned it on at the right time the Bengals um, made a nice run look pretty good to be into the playoffs now and they'll be hoping to um, execute where they couldn't last year I mean they made the the Super Bowl so they could have done much more but um, yeah as for the Bucks uh, not very good no, definitely not. Um, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd both played this week despite being injured on the injury report and expected to miss uh, multiple weeks in, in T. Higgins' case. So I don't know what's going on with that uh, defense, uh, with that medical staff in Cincinnati, but uh, let's just say the healing properties of whatever they're doing is, is very, very good. <laughs> do, they, do they test anymore in the NFL? I'm sure they do. Mm. <laughs> you only see the players who have good weeks to get asked to test, shouting about getting being tested all the time. But yeah, yeah. very sporadic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chargers and Titans, you're going to take this one, aren't you, mate? Yeah, this is um, a game of, I mean, they've all got big playoff implica- implications for this one in particular. Uh, I think this had real potential, but it kind of fizzled, but never really took off. Um, you kind of look down at the stats through the game. I think the biggest takeaway is obviously the Chargers get the win, but Tannehill is very down and looks like he's done for the season. Um I mean, the Titans were trending in the wrong direction anyway. They're probably going to make the playoffs just due to the weakness of the AFC South, um, unless the Jags really take off these last two weeks. Could happen. Uh, but I still think the Titans probably make it in, and they're just going to go straight out in the first round. Um, sorry, I'm taking away from this game there. Um, yeah, I mean, Herbert attempted a million passes and put up a ton of yards, but no touchdowns on the day. Um, two picks is probably a little bit of a concern. Um, the, again, the Chargers' run game didn't really get going. Eckler didn't do much. Again, he's picked up another knock, so he looks a bit of a concern moving forward for the Chargers there. Uh, the Titans' run game, as you'd expect, did get going. The Rumbler ran all over the Chargers to so another 100-yard game. Um, Chargers look like they'll probably get into the playoffs now. They're going to be one of those wild-card spots that they secure. Um, and as we already mentioned, they got a, a fairly tasty run at um, they should secure those those wins. So uh, that's not too much of a concern. The Titans have got the benefit of playing Houston this week, um, which could get a win, should be a win for them. And then they've got the Cowboys team in week 17 and the Cowboys aren't going to top their division and they're already in the playoffs. So you might think they might field a slightly weaker squad um, for that game. So there is opportunity there for the, for the Titans to strengthen their score um, and, and head into those playoffs in a slightly stronger position. But I don't see them going far. Uh, they're one in four in the last five games. Yeah. Yeah, the the Titans have looked very, very poor in recent weeks. That defensive front has not been as good as it was in the first five or six games this season. Uh, I agree with you. I think they're a first-round playoff exit. Um, I'd imagine they beat the Texans, but the Texans put up a real good fight against um, 
the Chiefs this week and the Cowboys the the previous week. So who knows? But you know, the Rumbler has gone for like two hundred yards against the, the uh, against the Texans for like the last five games or something like that. So uh, lump on everybody, um, and don't blame me when it doesn't come in for once. But uh, <laughs> you, you, we, we certainly will be, won't we, mate? <laughs> Absolutely, every week without fail. If history tells us anything, it's that uh, we will succeed on that one. So yeah two teams who are inherently flawed and are probably destined for first round playoff exits. Yeah, perhaps agree. I, I think the Chargers are going to wobble as soon as things get serious. So, Talking of inherently flawed teams, uh, Giants versus Commanders. Um, Giants winning 20 to 12 in what was just a defensively solid performance. Uh, it's Thibodeau's strip sack. That was the game defining play. He has looked brilliant, particularly second half of this season. Um, and it was, the, I read earlier, it was the first time the front four have played together um, other than one other game this season. And they've played something like 31 snaps together um, prior wow. to this game. Uh, so, you know, if they can keep those guys fit, they are a really, really strong defensive unit and they will make other teams struggle. Um, but offensively, uh, you know, they, they looked pretty poor this week. Barkley had a solid out, outing, uh, 4.8 yards per carry, got a touchdown, but the wide receivers got nothing going. Vanilla Vic didn't get much going, um, but they just did enough because the commanders kind of could not punch the ball into the end zone. Uh, and they had a couple of um, penalties called on them that I thought were were a bit unfortunate. There was a um, an offsides or uh, encroachment um, penalty for McLaurin that, probably should not have been called. Uh, and then there was another pass interference that uh, that didn't get called that, that probably should have been called in the end zone. Uh, and, and that might have um, that might have changed the game. Um, they had some good performances. Jahan Dotson had over 100 yards. His catch, mm-hmm. the big one, was amazing. Ooh. Properly yes, climbed up and mossed that guy. Uh, and then McLaurin and Brian uh, Robinson had sort of solid performances. Um, but... Uh, you know, kind of just not enough to to get it done. Looking at the matchups they've got left, Commanders have got the Niners this week, uh, which I think is probably a loss for them. I just don't see them getting enough going. Then they got the Browns, who knows? And then they got the Cowboys. Like you said, who knows? Cowboys week 18, probably not playing for anything, although with the injury to Hurts, you don't know what might happen to the Eagles now. But then the Giants don't have an easier lineup either. They've got the Vikings, um, who are obviously still vying for a, for a top seed Colts who are terrible. Um, uh, but then they've got the week 18 game against the Eagles and the Eagles could still be playing for number one seed mm. there. So both got um, difficult matchups. You would expect the giants to make it into the playoffs now. Um, but uh, the commanders still have a shot. Yeah, they do. They kind of fizzled in the second half of the season. You thought, Oh, do you know what? These commanders might do it. But like you say, now um uh, when push comes to shove, I'm not sure. Not sure. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Last matchup we wanted to focus on was the Bills and the Dolphins. This was a great matchup on, on yeah. Saturday, wasn't it? Super match. Probably the best of all we've spoken about, to be honest. Um, the Bills win it and, and secure the AFC East top spot now, um, leaving Miami to fight out at the wild card. I will say, um, fair play to Miami. I think it shows how far they've come. The fact that they went into Buffalo at this time of the year in the snow and they lost by three points on the last kick of the game. Um, it was a very competitive game and Miami could have won it on, a, on another day. And I think that's got to be optimism for them moving forward and the fact they are battling out with the big boys now. Um, and if not this season and future seasons, they are going to be there or thereabouts. 
um, on those Super Bowl runs. So fair play to Miami. I think Josh Allen looked almost back to his best. He put on a bit of a clinic. He was over 300 yards in the air um, with four touchdowns to four different um, receivers, which looks really good. Um, he had 77 on the ground, although the vast majority came on one super run um, towards the end of the game, which effectively won it for them. Um, Dawson Knox with a surprisingly effective game. I think he was um, six of nine, something like that, for just under 100 yards. A really effective game, which I was glad to see because it took, took targets away from Diggs. But uh, yeah, it was interesting to see. And I think he was on a Bal's team. So yeah, Bal might have found his uh, tight end of the future. <laughs> yeah, Val's got a lot of like, really relevant uh players on on his uh on his roster um and he's second to bottom so make of that what you will well uh, yeah um two out of tidyish game I, th- I guess it's, it was cold and they get the miami in general get a few concerns when it gets cold but i think he had a, a fairly good game to be honest he didn't do anything terrible he didn't set the place on fire he, he got it to his main guys um waddle and hill and raheem Mustard did a really good job on the ground um, there was that one run where it was almost like beast mode. It was just absolutely smashing through. And I didn't think he was going to get in for a second. That looked um, really good. So, yeah, I think good for the Bills. They've secured the spot. They probably deserved it over the season. But just as good for Miami, I think they can go into um, the, the final run and probably the playoffs with a lot of confidence and um, might uh, shake things up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Jalen Waddle with his customary nine targets or something like that for only three catches, but 114 yards. like. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, he must get so many low percentage um, targets, but anytime he catches one, it's like such a big play, isn't it? Yeah, the ball's coming through the air. It's like, is this over 40 yards? I ain't going to bother catching it unless it is. <laughs> uh, good, yeah. One more thing on that game that I just wanted to mention. Obviously, the snow kind of threatened a few times and the stands were clearly a lot more snowy than the pitch. Um, and I read a tweet at the time that the Bills fans were warned on numerous occasions to stop throwing snowballs onto the pitch. Um, and the the officials are actually threatening them that like, if they keep throwing these snowballs, it's going to be a 15 yard penalty or they'll be arrested. Uh, and at times, these snowballs were just raining onto the pitch. So, uh, yeah, you, see the, you see the post game, the NFL Network guys sat there and a uh, snowball landed right on the desk in front of them. <laughs> so good. So good. I love Bills fans. They're absolute yeah. nutters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tumultuous but really exciting week of, of playoff football and, uh, and and this week will be the same with the added intrigue of um, you know fantasy playoff matchups as well so yeah it was really really good really fun watching it and uh, I look forward to this week's as well uh, a few other headlines then so some some injury concerns you talked about a couple already you talked about Tannehill um, you know likely out for the regular season now uh, Jake's got cover um, but uh it, you know, it's kind of Taylor Heineke. Um, and I'm not sure I want Heineke and McLaurin going into the Niners. Um, so uh, I, I would be a bit concerned about that. Um, but it will be good for the Rumbler, right? So well, no Tannehill means Malik Willis, most likely, and uh, the Rumbler against the Texans, and, and Jake's got him. So it, it may just kind of like offset itself and, and be okay there. Uh, the other one you mentioned was Austin Eckler. Um, he looks like he's going to be okay. Actually, he kind of yeah. he came back into the game, um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, he's not on a playoff relevant team, uh, which is a shame. But the the thing I wanted to point out with him is not not actually injury related, but he didn't make the Pro Bowl, uh, which is nuts. He has thirty three touchdowns over the last two seasons, which is nine ahead of the nearest player, and on neither season has he reached the Pro Bowl. The guy is like criminally underrated. I know you love him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, there's a few this week or today or since they've released the squad. So I've just been like, how is this guy not got in? Um, I mean, like I say, it comes back to the old favourites. I think you've got people in there who probably shouldn't be there, but the name's bigger than the actual performances. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, other injuries? We're, Sorry, Matt, you go. No, I was just going to say, weirdly, uh, we'll come on to it a little bit in a minute about like potential league winners, but Jake's team, from not looking very strong, through some injuries now and some intrigue and kind of people hitting form at the right time, Jake's team is suddenly, almost overnight, for me, looking at it, um, looks a lot stronger now. Again, we'll come on to it, but potential winners now. Jake's team looks really strong and that's kind of down to some injuries. So um, fair play because Jake's team itself has been slightly ravaged through the Lamar injury, injury and he probably wouldn't be in the position he is um, had Lamar continued to play. So yeah, it, it could all work out nicely for Jake there. Yeah, I mean, go for it, mate. Jump into some of those, uh, some of those, uh, you know, transactions that have made Lee uh, made Jake relevant. Yeah, so I think we've just mentioned it already. The Rumbler, uh, the yeah. Rumbler. If Tannehill's out, I mean, they lean on the run game anyway, so it's only going to be more. Uh, you just mentioned if Malik comes in, it's just going to be in run heavy from the off. Um, I tried to read up on Lamar, and it's very grey as to what's going on with Lamar. He's missed another practice, so he probably doesn't start this week, but he could be back next week. Um, so. If Lamar comes back, obviously Jake plugs him straight in as QB1. That's great. He, he's got massive upside and he'll be able to carry Jake's here. And it also brings Mark Andrews back up into the into relevance as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just I just think Jake's team is um probably maybe round in another corner. Um but he has he has lost Jonathan Taylor, right? Who he who's been up and down this season. And I know he picked up uh Don Jackson, the Don, uh on uh on, on waivers, uh, I would be extremely reluctant to start Don Jackson. Uh, <laughs> he is under the Trent Richards zone or uh, Becky Mendo's diagonal uh, for his career. Uh, and whilst he's kind of like the the buzzy player on all the waiver wire pickups, like plugging him straight into your lineup, I would not fancy that personally. I think Jake's got better players, frankly. Yeah, having been there this season and starting the Don, I would agree. Um, he, he, he he's an exciting plug and play but when you see the results on a Monday morning uh, it certainly strikes home quickly so I agree I think there are players potential league winners on Jake's bench at the moment um, that would be more suited to the Dom yeah he's in his lineup currently though so we'll, we will see he's, he's also a late game and he's a Tuesday ga- uh, Monday game sorry so you know if he's going to wait that one out yeah no, I'm not fancying it myself um, we mentioned Tyler Lockett and his broken finger and surgery. Um, that's big for Kyle. Tyler Lockett has been a underrated performer for him this season. Um, so, you know, he, he's got other players, but no one I think as good as Lockett. Obviously, he's got Devontae, but he was going in his lineup anyway. If he makes it yeah. through this week, maybe he'll be back next week with the aid of the Seahawks medical team. And we know they've never prescribed anything for their players oh, before. No. no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, last couple of guys, both quarterbacks. Um, I'll save the big one for last. Um, but Mike White, Mike White's likely still out this week, uh, which for me is relevant, not because I've got Mike White, but because I've got Garrett Wilson and yeah. his value absolutely yeah. tanks with Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson stinks. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that Mike White um, makes a recovery this week, but it seems unlikely as things stand. Zach Wilson had me fooled into a real sense of security this week when I looked into his final score, which was pretty good for him. It was like 25 or something like that. And I was like, that's a real not Zach Wilson numbers. Um, yeah, get Mike White back in there. 
get my white. And then the last one, mate, is uh, sadly for you, and actually mm. sadly for me as well, Jalen Hurts going down with an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder, really unlikely to play this week. Um, yeah. And so you would expect them to hold him out and play Gardner Minshew. Yes, this one really hurts because my team literally lives and dies with Jalen Hurts. Um, he's I, he's the, probably the sole reason I made the playoffs um, these plus his last few weeks. Um, he's constantly put up pretty much 40 points. So without him on my team, my team is suddenly very susceptible. So it's a massive concern. Um, after Hurts, I've got a load, a load of middling quarterbacks who might put up 20 points, they might not. So who I plug in there as, as a concern. Um, the game times don't help me. I think Trevor Lawrence is probably a clear favourite to slot into my lineup, but he's on the early game tonight. Uh, so I kind of need to make that decision where I'm going to stick him in or whether I'm going to hold out and ride with a gardener, which I, I really don't want to do, but my hand might be forced. So um, it's gutting to lose him at this stage of the season. To be perfectly honest, I've owned him in multiple leagues. Gutted for me as well because I've got AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. So yeah, <laughs> I was sort of seeing them as an offset to Jalen Hurts uh, in our matchup, but. Um, now I've if you don't start Gardner and you start T Law, then um, I could be in big trouble. Yeah, well, I've, I've noted that, and uh, there's a few other offsets in our matchup that could be really interesting, depending on who we start, but could kind of cancel each other out. So, um, yeah, that's one of them. But if Hurts doesn't start, then uh, what a shame. Well, having just mentioned Trev, um, he's a potential league winner, right? So he has been the number two QB in fantasy over the past four weeks and number six on the season, which is sort of like going massively under the radar. He was brilliant in that second half versus Dallas. And uh, you can just choose to plug him into your lineup and maybe expect about 30 points, which is not what you get from Hertz, but very, very solid. Yeah, absolutely. Really, uh, two unexpected quarterbacks in my roster. I don't I say his name quietly. Cousins. And um, and Trevor Lawrence, neither of which at the beginning of the season did I hold out much hope, but they're probably going to get the start for me this week. And yeah, I would be surprised if between them they put up sort of their, their 70 point mark. So yeah, he, he's looking looking really good. And it's nice to see, like I say, the Jags could make a last minute push. There's a lot to play for for them um, to take the Titans out of it and, uh, and jump into that spot. So yeah, they started, started to look really good, the Jags. Hmm. Um, it's talking about the Jags, Zay Jones. Um, 51 targets over the past five weeks, which he's converted for 35 catches over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, he had a massive game this week against a really solid Dallas defense. And um, unfortunately, he's on Baker's, uh, well, sorry, the Ballings roster. Uh, so he's not really going to be relevant to any playoff repercussions. But, um, you know, he gives he gives Trev, your boy, a really, really reliable target. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um are we, are we kind of talking like uh, potential league winners now? We've kind yeah. of transitioned in, haven't we? Because I, yeah. I looked at a few earlier and there was a few players who were on rosters, as you just mentioned, the Ballins guys that aren't really relevant. So um, I kind of broke out a few that are on our full playoff teams that I think they've kind of gone under the radar a little bit and they're not potentially superstars that you think would win the league. But um, by all intents and purposes, they are moving in the right direction. They could put up a nice score and help somebody towards that title. So um who are yeah, you guys then? Really... Who are you guys? Because all the guys oh, I had were actually on non-relevant playoff rosters. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I did mention Garrett Wilson. Obviously, that's very dependent. This is for you, Spike. This is very dependent on who's playing um, under centre. So, if uh, your boy White gets the start, then I think Garrett Wilson could have put up some numbers. He's been he's been playing well most of the season. Um, so I think that's a good sign. I also had um Brian Robson for you. 
Brian Robinson, obviously, at the beginning of the season, he was splitting that backfield. He's now got sole control of that. Um, and he's put up like 16 plus points in the last three outings. So he's a real solid plug and play. I know he's not going to leave your starting lineup anyway, um, but he could be one of those guys that kind of um, helps to get over the line. For Kyle, yeah. um, again, a, a player that's not been great all season, but David Montgomery, um, he's kind of, it helps with having Herbert out. Herbert's due to return this week, so Monty might take a bit of a dip again. Um, but he has scored 13 points in the last four games. Um, so if Montgomery keeps riding that, which there is potential to do, then that could be a strong point for uh, Kyle. Uh, and also James Connor. Um, it's not a name we mention very often on this, but uh, during his last three games, he's gone 24 points, 20.4 points and 18 points. Um, so Connor for Kyle, um, possibly someone he could ride through the playoffs. Yeah, um, I wasn't sure Jay- whether Connor would be affected by the change in QB, but he had a good week last week. Yeah, yeah, he's looking really strong for Kyle in there. He's one of those... I say bad players, he's got a squad full of good players, but he's probably one of the underrated players on Carl's roster that yeah. could do a job. Um, I'll do me and then I'll circle back to Jake because I think Jake's goes hand in hand with some of his injury ones that we spoke about earlier. So uh, for me, Keenan Allen, who has also been injured for the most part of the season, is now back in the lineup and he scored 10 plus points in the last four games. Um, so that's nice to have him back in my lineup. I've been desperate to get him back in, so that's good. Um, and J.K. Dobbins. Um, <laughs> kind of quietly slings back into that Ravens backfield and he's looked fantastic. Um, he's looked really, really good. His points look tidy. He looks electric at the backfield. So, yeah, I haven't started him, but I'd probably be looking to do so this week. So J.K. Dobbins is a bit of a surprise package. He had that one run when he first came back where his leg looked gimpy as hell, but he still managed to make like a 50, 60-yard run. So maybe maybe something's just you know, gone gone a bit awry with his knee recovery, but you know, he's he's a really good running back. He's got great vision. Yeah, like I said, with his history, just every player just expect him to go down and blow up and the ACL's gone again and that's it till next season. So always a concern, but right now it looks nice. Um right, back to Jake again. Um again, players I think are really streaking in the right direction for him. And it's another weird one. Latavius Murray. Um he had a really nice week this week and you think uh, there's not a lot going on with that Broncos team. Um, but the Latavius Murray could power through. So it could be a real surprise package if Jake starts him. But um, as we mentioned earlier, it might be poor from Jake's team. Um, same team, Jerry Judy. Uh, he's also looking really nice at the moment. He's put up a lot of nice points in the past couple of weeks. So that's another option for Jake. Um, and I did have Don Jackson down there. We've dispelled that bit. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we won't go back onto Don Jackson. But yeah, there's a few there's a few guys there that maybe you wouldn't expect to uh, write a victory, but uh, could be the key to success. Uh, one guy that we really blew it on this week, mate, was Jarek McKinnon. Uh, sat on free agency. Um, I didn't realise, didn't even bother to check. Uh, no, clearly none of the rest of us did. And Ballins picked him off off a free agency, which obviously means he's not going to be playoff relevant. But the guy has been absolutely brilliant the last two weeks, 29 and 30 points. Um he he took over for Pacheco this week after Pacheco fumbled, and who knows how much they're going to trust Pacheco as they get into these last few games. Uh, he's obviously um, been a really good player, and, and and I saw this week that somebody said he has scored a third of his career fantasy points in the month of December. So he's uh, clearly a lover of Christmas or something like that, um, late season guy. But yeah, for us all to miss that is a bit mental, really. And now to be sat on the dirty bastard Ballins team. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of the headlines. And we will transition smoothly into the review of this week's matchups.
so first up, let's go with the one that made the most difference overall, myself versus Ed. Uh, I won it, 193 to 168, and I, I scrape into the playoffs by the skin of my teeth. Um, I needed Steve to lose, which he did, and I needed to beat Ed and for Ed to not get the Merchy B. Um, I was on PlayStation chat with Ed for most of the night, and he was giving it to me both barrels because uh his players were doing really really well early doors i kept getting uh um suck it from him every every two minutes when dak made a great pass or cd lamb scored a touchdown and uh unfortunately it was only once we logged off of playstation chat that my team started to put it together and i started to get points from darren waller and joey b and obviously the late game from brian robinson so i didn't get to really rub it in ed's face too much which was you know devastating frankly um but uh at least we got there in the end and uh and i put ed's team at the playoffs uh he really blew it um he, he lost three of his last four to to slide his way out of the playoffs um which is you know kind of hilarious really um aj brown and devonta they did it <laughs> i'm they sure it you were me. in a sport uh, yeah, AJ Brown and Devonta, 43 points between them. Uh, absolutely brilliant. They both had over 100 yards. And the nearest eagle after that was Kenny Gamewell, who had nine. <laughs> uh, incredible performance by the Eagles. And then Waddle and Burrow with the other standout performers. Um, I did get a bagel, though. Patty F got me a bagel. I couldn't believe it. I was like, why is Mitch not passing to uh, Fryermuth? Um, but ultimately, it didn't cost me. So if I'm going to have a a bagel for one of my tight ends. I'd rather have it this week than the next week. Um, so yeah, Ed had a big, strong start. Um, and there was a point where they went, the Cowboys game went to overtime, didn't it? And Ed was like, he was loving it. He's like, yeah, more points from Dak yeah. and CD lamb. And I actually called it and I said, I bet he throws a pick six now. And he did. And lost, lost Ed a good, uh, good five <laughs> points, I think. So I was pretty delighted about that. He just had he just had rubbish performances from Foreman and Schultz and Vanilla Vic, uh, and that cost him. I think someone asked whether plugging AJ Dillon in would have changed the outcome. Uh, it wouldn't have done. Um, he wouldn't have got the Merchy B, so um, it wouldn't have mattered if Ed had managed his team better. We'll come back to that later. Um, so, yeah, great outcome for me. I had no idea how I made it into the yeah. playoffs, but uh, now that I'm there, mate, I'm going to win it all. <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations. Enjoy your uh, one game in the playoff. Yeah, well, talking about my my opponent, you played Jake this week and, uh, well, absolutely battered him. Yeah, I played the uh, the champion-elect, Jake, who uh, was stumbling his way into the final games. And I think he just took it for granted he was going to get in. And it must have been a bit shaky at times for him because our game was never close. Um, he put up an absolute shit score. It was a load of rubbish. Just to put it into perspective, Jake's two starting quarterbacks and two starting running backs didn't score as close, didn't score as many points as Hertz. So it was over before the game even started for Jake. It was uh, embarrassing for him. Uh, for me, to be perfectly honest, it was one of my highest scores of the year, um, way over average, which is very unlike me. Um, but nice, nice to have that confidence flying in. Uh, Jake had some nice scores with Kittle. Um, I didn't see him putting up some nice scores there. And Latavius Murray we mentioned earlier. Um, Weirdly, I thought I was feeling confident coming out of that, but injuries have kind of knocked my team a little bit this week. Um, and Jake's team actually, for me, now looks uh, a little bit brighter than it did maybe this time last week. And if, if Lamarton returns, that only gets stronger. So uh, 
Um, yeah, but it was good to uh, knock Jake back down. Uh, it would have been nicer to knock him out of the playoffs entirely, but hey ho. He is on a horrific slide, though. His last three weeks, he's averaged 141 points a game, which is dreadful. And it coincided. Like, so one of the questions that came in in one of the chat groups we're in was um, uh, from, I think it was from Valen, and it was, has uh, since he said on the last podcast that Jess had nothing to do with his team, uh, did she hear that? And has she then withdrawn her, her guidance for his team? And has that coincided with the three-game loss? Now, Jake's not here to really answer that question. Um, so I think we'll just assume that that is the case. Um, so thank you for that question, Val. Yes, we yes. have answered that uh, Jess was offended when Jake said he, she wasn't involved in his team selection. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can be nice enough to her this week uh, with Christmas ahead um, for her to really plug back in and, uh, and guide his team back to victory. Kyle. <laughs> um, Kyle's got to be uh, licking his lips on me at this matchup this week. You would think so. You would think so. I mean, um, talk well talking about Kyle. So his team lost as well this week. So uh, not not a great week for either of those two who were kind of top two for a long this se- uh, long time this season. 162 to 211 by the Ballins duo. Uh, Ballins finished strong with with two wins, but they still secure the 101 spot for next season. It was a nothing game for Kyle. He couldn't really fall out of the playoffs, barring some absolute mathematical disaster. Um, but his last five weeks, he's averaged about 171 points, which is okay, which is pretty good. But it's about 10 points down on where he's been for the rest of the season. Um, so maybe, maybe some concerns about how his team's performing there. Um, for the Ballings guys, that their Bucks did enough, despite that kind of dreadful loss that they had. Um, and they got their star performances from Aaron Jones and Josh Allen, who's sort of been there for, for them all season, plus the, the big Zay Jones performance carrying the day. Any other just thoughts on this game? Yeah. No, not really. It's just like I say, I think Ballin, um, Ballin Ballin's just really fucked it up this week. The, the games in general uh, were just all over the place. And just those two teams probably... In the nicest way, didn't expect them to win, and they've put up two monster scores, the two high scores of the week. So, um, well done, lads. Wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, yeah, Valen. Well, you, you can talk about Valen now, can't you? He, he absolutely battered Steve this week, uh, 218 to 148. Yeah, yeah, I think Val turned it on for big time for the last game of the season, maybe giving us all a little taste for uh, for next season and uh, what he might do. He absolutely crushed Steve's slim chances of a playoff berth. Um, but it was pretty much over before it began. So uh, Steve did put up the lowest score. He didn't really help himself. Didn't I don't think he would have caught Valen, but um, the score was pretty pathetic anyway. Um, clearly still not listening to the podcast because he started Gasicki again um, and bar one five-yard catch. Um, he was one five-yard catch away from another bagel. Um, I'm just going to circle back a minute because you just mentioned in, uh, the freer move bagel. And Gasicki clearly is a bagel monster as well. And we've had Foster Moreau. Of all our bagels this year, the tight end spot really consuming those bagels uh, every week. It'd be interesting to know if we've had a, a bagel in any other position other than the tight end position. Uh, I'm sure there has, but they, they clearly dominate those spots. Um, yeah, it's been a bad year for tight ends. Really bad. Yeah, whether we should put five tight ends into our rosters next uh, next year is up for debate, obviously. But uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, we spoke about Dawson Knox putting up a nice day for Val and Ramondre out of nowhere putting up a really good day as well. That really obviously propelled him to that big score. Um, 
both our big players on the bench, it wouldn't have affected the overall score. But um, Steve had KJ Osborne, who had a really nice day for the Vikings, and Sikwan put up some good numbers for Val. Um, like I said, it wouldn't have changed the game, but obviously food for thought for next season. Um, looking for next year for both of these two now, obviously. Uh, you have to think Val will be elevating Jahan Dotson. And from the taxi squad for next year, he's looking quite strong in that position now. So that I think that's a bright spot for Val. But away from that, Val's team isn't the youngest squad. Um, <laughs> might be a bit of a rebuild there. Steve has got a really strong young core um, with Fields at the helm there. So um, Steve probably does look quite set for the next few years. But be interesting to see what Val does with um, a few of his agent stars, whether he'll want to get rid of those and, and look for a way to rebuild, um, or whether he'll just kind of ride those out for the next uh, next few years. Uh, but interesting. But enjoy your off-season, lads. Yeah, was well, Steve's Steve's got those two first round picks next year as well as he's got what he's got one of mine, um, which I then recouped from Kyle. But yeah, good for Steve. He's he can add some young players to a really young roster and and you know be competitive. Like you said, Val's got a decision to make. You know, does he does he hope that he can make better team selections next year and and uh, be be a contender in the playoffs or? Uh, does he want to kind of blow it up? And we've got a question about trades later on that I won't uh, jump on now, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. So um, ultimately, playoffs is going to be between you and me, uh, one and four seed. And then you've got Kyle, the two seed, Jake, three seed. So that's going to be the playoff matchups this week. Um, and, and we can jump into those matchups in a second. Uh, I just want to touch on some observations. So this really started, this, this segment started because Jake has been hammering the point that he wants to make around max points four, right? He messaged uh, Valen last week to bring it up on the pod. He didn't. He then messaged, he then talked to, to me through it on like Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday last week, sent us multiple screenshots, uh, which basically just show that you uh, end up bottom of the, the maximum points four. And Jake was top and actually got dethroned by by Valen this week. Uh, his point being that um, max points four is a better indicator of who has a good team than uh, actual points for. My counter argument would be that if any element of fantasy football is about skill, there is the lineup selection. Uh, and what this shows is that you are the most efficient manager of your team. Um, and interestingly, I am the second most efficient and we've both made the playoffs. So yeah. us basically demonstrating that skill is at least 5% of uh, results in fantasy. Um, and uh, and uh, so suck it, Jake. Yeah. Uh, if, if maximum point score or points for whatever Jake's point is, there's clearly ways that you could achieve that. And you would just freaking load your roster up with quarterbacks on your bench or, or whatever you need to do. And just on the off chance that one of them pulls out a massive result, pick your team properly, Jake and Valen for that matter. Um it's not whinging. It's, it's the way it's the way it rolls. I don't I don't really see what the point is. Every year there's a team that doesn't score much but gets a good um, return. It happens, and then there's teams, unfortunately, that put up really good scores but don't win the matchups. Yeah, hey ho, it'll swing back around. So Jake, Jake and Valen did finish. Uh, they had the biggest variance of points for to actual points scored. Uh, Valen has been kind of top of that all season. And actually over the last few weeks, Jake's really caught him up and he's ended the season only seven points in variance behind. Um, and, and Valen actually, <laughs> I mean, he really blew it because he lost five games that based on max points four, he would have won. 
So mm. if we'd been playing in a best ball league where it only takes your best point score, so it takes max points, um, Valen would have had five more wins and would have been top of the league. So Honestly, we, we could we could do a podcast just on Valen's decisions in fantasy football form. I, there's so much content there to get from it. It's, it's intriguing every week. Uh, I'm really looking forward to some of these uh, exercises next year. <laughs> yeah, I, against the computer. I can't remember if I said it last week on the pod or if I've just said it. I would love to see the transaction kind of audit for Val's team. How many lineup shifts he must make every week uh, as he constantly kind of ruminates over which players he's going to start. Yeah, I'd like to just be Valen's phone on a Sunday afternoon, just just watching him over all these movements. And like I say, <laughs> I'd be exhausted. I think I only put up for an hour because uh, I personally, as much as I love fantasy, I, I don't overthink it too much. And I pretty much go with the heart and just get those guys in there, which Val obviously takes a different approach. Well, you, you ended the season with a very solid 177-point average. And if you remember the mid-season review, we said your average at that point was 178. So just super solid stuff consistent yeah. never wavering uh more of a flat line than a heartbeat you know it's just uh <laughs> just fantastic fantastic performance for you mate yeah wavered mid-season a little bit and they started dropping so i just put some big scores at the end of the season just to bring it back around and uh, make sure i <laughs> was within one point of that average which I can be happy with so yeah we said earlier that ed really blew his playoff shot he lost three of the last four um and that was what what killed him in the end uh, just touching back on my playoff predictions from the start of the season videos, uh, I said Jake, Ed, Val, and Franco. Um, so Jake and Franco, tick, tick. And then uh, I, I got two of those wrong. Like I said, Val uh, should have based on his points and Ed should have based on, well, blowing it in the last three weeks. So I did also comment that Kyle could jump into a playoff spot with some trade moves and he obviously did move for for Chubb. So I feel like my playoff predictions were all right. I mean, I suppose getting two out of four right isn't exactly uh, all that stellar, but uh, I feel like they're okay. Better than none out of four, isn't it, mate? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Any other um, observations? We'll do like a deep dive post-season podcast on on how things went for everybody, but um, I just thought they were relevant as we enter the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, during the off season when there's not as much going on, it'd be nice to take a deeper dive into uh, into some of that stuff. But uh, we'll save that content for then, right? Absolutely, mate. All right, well, let's jump into the playoffs then. Um, so, playoff matchup number one, you versus me. Uh, it looks like it's going to be super close, mate. Um, prediction currently 195 to me, 192 to you, or is that, has that changed this morning? It's flying around all over the place because I think when I looked earlier, you were like a 10-point favourite and then I caught up by like five, despite me not making any changes. So, um, <laughs> uh, at the moment, I have... Jalen's still plugged in and he's got no no projection at the moment. So yeah, I, I'll need to put a call back in at some point when I make that tough decision. But it is going to be super, super close. Um, there's, I think in terms of matchups, uh, you've got a few more green lights down your your team than I have and a few nicer matchups. Um, whereas I've got um, some trickier matchups. Uh, so maybe it. Um, clearly if Hertz was in there, it'd be a bit of a game changer as he always is for me. Uh, but without him, uh, my team is um, bang average, just as I like it. Uh, I, so, I thought that was it's curious when you look down the sleeper lineups and it sort of gives you those red and green lights because I, I was looking at yours and you've got really nice matchups for Dalvin Cook versus the Giants, Diggs versus the Bears, Juju versus the Seahawks. I, I think that those are matchups where you can get some good points. And you've got some, you've got a couple of tougher ones with Zeke versus the Eagles and Chase versus the Pats. Um, but I, I think I've got you know tough, tough matchups. Brian Robinson versus the Niners is one of my two starting running backs. 
Burrow v the Pats and the Eagles guys against Dallas. Um, and, and obviously with no Jalen Hurts. So, and I've got Alave being questionable, which is going to leave me probably having played Deontay Johnson, who has counted them zero touchdowns on the whole season. Absolutely yeah. mental. Yeah, it's. Um, I think we mentioned it earlier about the, those cancel outs. Obviously, the Hurts and your Philly receivers, it probably isn't going to happen now because Hurts is going to make it. Um, I had Carr Waller down there, but I'm not starting Carr, uh, so that, that that's not going to play out. Uh, but there is the Burrow Chase um, yeah. connection, so we, we might have a bit of a cancel out. Despite there being lots of opportunities, it'll probably come down to those two um, potentially cancel each other out. But yeah, but it's going to be a really good matchup. It's going to be exciting. I'm not sure it's going to be a massive score. Um, but I'm sure it's going to come down to the wire. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a shame I can't uh, get in your face on uh, Saturday night for it, but, you know. I'm sure we'll be busy nibbling on mince pies and drinking the whiskey above the fireplace and uh, loading presents into stockings. So. Absolutely, mate. I might send you a little video, depending on how the games are going. Oh, we got it. We got it. I particularly enjoyed our matchup early this season when we were on the stag do together. Yeah, yeah, it's been good precedence this year in our matchups on there. So it's nice to be facing off in the uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, shame it couldn't be the final. Mm. Uh, so the second matchup, Jake versus Kyle, uh, higher projections than our matchup, as you would expect with these two big point scoring teams. Um, you said earlier, like Jake's got some some positive things here, but I think a lot rides on Lamar's fitness. Um, with him, Jake's got a superstar QB and and his connection with Mark Andrews. Without him, he's got to start Taylor Heineke against the Niners, and he will also be reliant on Heineke and McLaurin as a as a stack. And I would not want to put too much faith in a, a duo going against the Niners' defense. So he's got to really hope that Jackson is is fit and and brings Mark Andrews back to life. I think mm-hmm. we've already yeah. talked about plugging in Don Jackson. I I just think it's too risky. But um, you know, Jess is going to mind, manage Jake's lineup as best she sees fit. I'm sure. <laughs> um, Kyle needs to get some decent scores from his running backs and his tight ends um, which he hasn't done in recent weeks really um, because otherwise I think I could see him sort of slipping into the kind of 150, 160 zone rather than the the 200 area but um, you know it's got that potential Chubb and Kamara any given week could go off it's not really been the best second half of the season for Chubb or whole season really for Kamara but if those guys get going, maybe they get 20-point weeks, then then this could be Kyle romping away with this. Jake putting up like a lowly 140. Yeah, there was signs of life with Chubb last week, weren't there? Because I yeah. got in another league and I wasn't expecting much from it at all. And they kind of put the stat very early in the game that he's not surpassed 100 against the Ravens in God knows how many years. Um, and he put up 99 so um, against a tough run. So signs of a... Maybe they've realised that... Uh, Sean isn't the answer, well, not not the answer right now. He's going to need to bed in a little bit more, and they do need to ride Chubb out uh, this season. So we'll see. And then in the toilet bowl, uh, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, um, we got Ed versus the Ballings duo, expected to be a landslide victory for Ed. So uh, we expect to see the Ballings duo come out of that with a win. Um, and then Steve versus Valen, which is expected to be the biggest matchup scores of the week, 235 versus 233. Um, so that one will be entertaining to watch. The reason I'm not going to dive into those is not because I don't care. I don't. Um, <laughs> but simply because we haven't determined uh, yet what, if any, ramifications there are going to be for this kind of like to- toilet bowl bracket. Maybe something for us to work on in the off season is like, mm. is there going to be a fine or some sort of penalty for finishing 
uh, as the toilet bowl winner in inverted commas? And do we want to offer any incentive for performing better in that kind of toilet bowl bracket? Um, didn't think about that going into the season. It's always a tough one. It comes up a lot in another league I'm in as to whether you offer an incentive or what should be the kind of uh, the fine. I do like these leagues where they make people go and sit in a waffle house for 12 hours or whatever. Um, but it's got to be something that, that the, the guys in the league will do and that we can uh, stick on our Instagram account. But um, yeah, I'm not going to really spend any more time on this matchup for now. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think thrashing it out in the off-season as to what that would be if we've got a good group of lads in this league. Um, I'm Jess, sorry, lads and lasses. Um, that we would do something like that and I think we'd all be up for it as well and kind of honour that. Um, and likewise, we need to iron out what we're going to do with these bagels as well because there's clearly a lot yeah. of them and that's going to continue. And I think there should be something that we do there, something quite fun um, for those recipients. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, any other thoughts on uh, this week's playoff matchups? Uh, no, not, not not too much. I mean, from my own personal opinion, I, I think if you'd asked me Sunday evening how I was feeling, I was super confident. Uh, and then the, kind of the fallout of those games has been a lot of injuries uh, and the concerns for me. So um, I'm not as confident now, but kind of looking forward to the matchups. Um, I feel like every team has kind of got in a different position. Um, Jake's clearly, as we mentioned on a, on a slide, you must be absolutely buzzing to have made the playoffs from a, a seemingly difficult position. Um, Kyle's kind of just there uh, as we said he, he didn't really have to do much this week he's been a high scorer all year um, and I've kind of finished the season quite strong so all in seemingly different positions um, but all with equally good a shot to crack it and get the uh, the inaugural breakaway win yeah yeah thanks uh, well, so we had some questions in mate we you know we won't do like a proper Q&A session this week and a few yeah. of these were for Jake but to that point Baker asked who will win the league um now, obviously, I think I'm going to win the league and you think you're going to win the league because that's just how we think. Uh, being kind of some, somewhat cold and removed from it, I look at it and I go, well, who's got the least problems? And it's probably Kyle, you know, because you've yeah. got the Hertz injury. I've got two guys reliant on Hertz and, and other injuries. Jake's got, you know, a fuzzy Lamar and a really ropey last three weeks. Kyle's put up the most points this season and he's got the least the least issues on his roster. So he's probably got the the highest floor. And therefore, mm-hmm. I would say that if if you were a bookie, he's probably going to be the favourite. Um, but one week matchups, you you never know. And uh, I'm hopeful that I I can bring home the uh, the championship belt. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You look down through Kyle's lineup, and it's super strong uh, across the board. Um, uh, as it happens, Jake was in my headlights last week, so I've looked at his team a lot. Um, you're in my headlights this week, so I've looked at your team a lot, and I feel strongly about mine. Kyle's the one I probably overlooked a little bit, and probably is that strongest team. So. Uh, yeah, if I'm not going to win it, uh, I think it might be Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had a we had a question um, from Steve and, and a question from Baker that's somewhat related. Um, so Steve asked, kind of like looking back, how would you change your approach to the startup? And then Baker asked about biggest busts and disappointments. Uh, I'm not going to kind of dive into this one too much because I think, again, this is ripe for off-season content when we talk about biggest busts and disappointments of the season and kind of draft strategy. Uh, looking back, I, I probably should have been happier with my roster when I drafted it than I actually was. And I'm pretty content with it moving forward. I've got a good balance of young guys and uh, I selected good quarterbacks, which is always going to be the mainstay uh, of my team. And I think my trade for AJ Brown brought me another young guy and then trading away Nick Chubb has, has given me a, a roster that I think I'm going to be happy with moving forward. Any thoughts on this from you, mate? Um, 
yeah, so for me, this is my first dynasty league I've been involved in. Um, so I wasn't really sure the approach. And I probably went into the draft in a, as I was doing a redraft, essentially. I didn't think about it too much. I just drafted away. That being said, I'm not too unhappy with the state of my team. Uh, you mentioned the young quarterbacks. I've got Hurts and Lawrence, who could be mainstays for a long time. I've got Jamar in there, and I've got a couple of young running backs. So I probably struck lucky a little bit there because I didn't really think about it too much. I just selected guys on who was going to perform the best this year and what was going to come out of it. So um, slightly lucky. Uh, would I do things differently? Oh, probably. I'd probably go for after a few younger players, but would I have a better result? Probably not. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change too much. No, that's no, good. Um... I think kind of linked to the point I was making um, around kind of trades earlier. Uh, so Baker asked, why do you think trading in this league is practically non-existent? I think some of it comes to the point you just made there. It's your first dynasty league. And and it is for a few of the guys in the league. Um, and so knowing who to trade, what the value is, whether that's the right thing to do in a dynasty league, that comes with time. And a lot of the first year dynasty startup leagues I've been in and I'm in, more than a few now um there isn't as many trades in the first season um i think the other thing is it's an 18 league so pretty much everyone's competitive so nobody mm-hmm. is looking at that like, i've got a couple of proper rebuild dynasty teams that are absolute gutter um because they're in 12 or 14 team leagues where you can have like a, a totally dirt roster that you then rebuild with draft picks over the years there's no no team in this league that can't win a game week in week out and we saw that last two weeks ball ins duo one two games so i think people are going to probably always be a little bit reluctant to trade their their assets and that might be a shame but you know this league's pretty full of pretty rogue people so i think we will see more trades next season Um, but i just don't think it will be as kind of wild as as other dynasty leagues that i'm in yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And with the greatest respect to Ballins, their off-season kind of started six weeks ago. Um, a lot of us are still <laughs> plugging for playoffs and we've still got a lot to play for. So it's not like I'm averse to trading. Uh, I quite like my team, so it's going to be tough to take my big guys off of me. Um, but it's just not at the right time. We're still trying to win a ring out here. But come the off-season, yeah, I'm sure there will be, a, once we all get a chance to sit back and look at the teams, um, yeah. those trades will take place. Here. But uh, as it happens, the balling season ended somewhat early. Uh, so they've been trying to look to offload when other teams might not have been in the market to do those trades. But yeah, hopefully this through the summer, uh, that will change. Yeah. Uh, ultimate question. Um, Val asked, what one rule change would you like to see in the league? Make the case for it. The more extravagant, the better. Um, well, Rawlings made an extravagant case for a five tight end set. Um, so your thoughts, mate? Anything you'd like to see? No to Rawlings' suggestion. Just straight up no. Uh, I can't fill one tight end slot, so why on earth we'd have five? I, I have no idea. Um, as to Valen's question, yeah, I gave, I've got two answers. I've got a, a somewhat realistic one and a, a completely unrealistic one. So uh, the realistic one, and I've always been somewhat, this kind of grinds my gear when you've got a superstar wide receiver who's flanking down the field and the defender takes that out and they call a PI on it. Why do we get the points? So uh, yeah, PI points effectively for those yards that your receivers would gain, um, you get them. Uh, I would say touchdowns, but that's going to be a bit harder to prove. So I'd say let's put some PI points in there. I'm not sure how that'd be managed. Probably wouldn't, but there we go. Um, and my unrealistic one is that we would introduce a wild card week. Now, I know this plays out in some of the English Premier League sort of fantasy things. So every year we each get one wild card week uh, and you select when you want to deploy it. And effectively, when you play your wild cards, you are saying, I am going to beat everyone in the league this week. I'm going to outscore everyone. 
Um, and the ramifications are of that, that if you play your wild card and it comes in, if you successfully score higher than everyone else, you get an extra 200 points, but you also remove 50 points from everybody else in the league if your wild card comes in. If your wild card doesn't come in, however, you have to release your highest rated tight end. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I've no idea how you'd make something like that happen on Super, but it is it's, it's suitably rogue, which I, I absolutely love, mate. I love it. Um, yeah, like for me, say, how- yeah, for me, like we talked about IDP, we'll resolve that in the off-season as to what we do with it. Um, I, I personally think moving to... Uh, multiple IDP slots is good. Um, we just need to decide how many players people are allowed to to hold on to on their roster because you've got more than your average. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd quite like to see some stakes in the league. Um, and we talked about earlier uh, what happens if you get a bagel, what happens if you finish bottom, lose the toilet bowl, what happens if you win? You know, do, are we going to get a trophy? Are we potentially going to put some money in the pot? You know, maybe make this a, like a five or a year entry or a tenner or something like that. Um, nice. you know, just, just to kind of like liven that up. I don't really have any other points, uh, any other kind of like rule suggestions. It's already pretty, uh, different from other leagues, uh, with the point per first down and six points per passing touchdown and stuff like that. But I'm always up for kind of making this league a little bit different. So if people have got off season suggestions, then, um, let's get some votes out there and, uh, you know, make this league even, even more dynamic than it already is. They seem like a sensible commissioner thoughts, easy to administrate, but keeping it rogue. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I, I need stuff that I can do on sleeper. So yeah. Um the 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 final question, I, I've actually got a couple for you that I want to tag on to the end here. But um we had a question from Baker. Can we get Jake's updated opinion on the bonus point mechanic? Uh, I actually asked Jake about this. He loves it, mate. I it's a real turn of fortunes. Uh he's fully for it. And he actually said the more bonus points he can get, the better. Uh, if there are other ways of introducing bonus points, um, then Jake would be fully up for it. So, you know, that's great. It's great to see that he's changed his mind. Um, you know, Jake's a man that can, you know, really forgive and forget. So it's it's good to get that from him. Um, <laughs> that was fun, right? So um, we, we didn't do any Christmas content this week. Um, oh, and I think that I, I was like, how do we do a Christmas episode having already done the the sort of big roast dinner Thanksgiving episode? Um, so I just thought, do you know what? I'll, I'll leave it because it was kind of hard enough for, for us to organize the logistics of it anyway. But, you know, what are your what are your Christmas plans, mate? Are you looking forward to it? What do you do on Christmas Day? <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this year, especially because last year was a, a massive write-off because we had a, a sickness bug over the big day itself. So um, this year, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so my plans are as follows. Tomorrow, 23rd, meeting up with all the boys. We're going to have a few drinks, go for a curry in the evening. So I'll be really excited to see uh, a few of those boys, Dawson, Shiner, back around. I haven't seen those boys for um, seemingly since Bum's wedding. Uh, so it'll be nice to see those. Um, wake up Christmas Eve morning, um, probably do a bit of food prep. We've got Sarah's family coming over in the evening, so we're going to put on a nice spread of food there. So that'll be quite exciting to get the tunes blaring and um, do a bit of food prep. Um, excited because Zig's a lot more aware this year um, as to what's going on. So it's nice to be able to uh, get stuff ready for him. Christmas Day, get up with Zig. Um, oh, I forgot about the games, obviously, on Christmas Eve night. So yeah, <laughs> once once everything's settled down, we've got some food. I'm going to be looking to sit back with a couple of babies and enjoy some of those games. Um, into the evening which will be fun and then yeah onto the big day itself uh, we'll get up do the presents and then we'll run to my mum and dad's in the day and I'll see my brothers um, and a more drink I'm sure and get stuck into it and I think one of the presents I've got this year is a new gas shirt which I haven't had for years so I'm going to be proudly wearing that round everywhere 
all day Christmas spilling gravy all over it, no doubt. <laughs> nice, mate. That sounds that sounds like an awesome few days over Christmas. Um, I don't know how me sitting down and trying to watch um, all these games on Christmas Eve will 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 go down in the Pike household, but um, gonna try and squeeze in as much as I can. Maybe find myself in this little office watching some games. Uh, <laughs> but there's a will there's a way well you know I'll, I'll sort of trade it off against the fact that i will be cooking um christmas dinner on christmas day and then actually again on on boxing day because my sister-in-law is uh an nhs midwife and has to work christmas day so we're sort of doing two days um yeah back to back we're doing um roast turkey on boxing day roast beef on on christmas day so i will be putting nice. in a heck of a lot of effort over those two days <laughs> and hopefully i can squeeze some red zone out of it how many people you got coming over both days? Uh, so it's the four of us, um, and then Bex's brother, um, wife, two, uh, three kids, and then Bex's mum. So, yeah, whatever that works out as. Is that 10? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure no doubt the food will be absolutely fantastic if you're making it, mate. Best roast potatoes available. Um, CC Chris Rawlins. Send some in the post. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, I hope you have a fantastic Christmas. And uh, obviously, I hope the rest of the league has a fantastic Christmas. Uh, enjoy those games. Enjoy your families. Uh, and uh, we'll try and squeeze a podcast in at some point next week to reflect on uh, how these playoff matchups went and then the, the playoff final. So hopefully I can find somebody available and find some time myself, although I am off work. So I don't know what else I'll be doing. Um, any final thoughts from you before uh, we head into the playoffs, mate? No, no, just to say thank you for a thoroughly entertaining year. It's been great to be part of this league. And like I say, it's a, it's a bit of a rogue league. So it's nice to have those different uh, rules in there and, and the characters are in there. So um, happy Christmas to you. Have a lovely time and to the rest of the league. And uh, uh, good luck this week, Mike. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, uh, have a great Christmas. And we will see you all the other side of the big day. Until next week, let's ride.